train is already ready. For 80% of the trains are running on electricity today. And of course, we need uh, most of them in some countries, for instance, in Netherlands, are already all green electricity. So no CO2 content into the, what we get from the grid. This is On the Right Track, a Florence School of Regulation podcast series dedicated to the European Year of Rail. I am Juan Montero, professor at the Florence School of Regulation Transport Area. In this series, I have the pleasure of speaking to experts across the railway industry on various regulatory topics on the smart and sustainable single European railway area. Hello. This second session of uh, On the Right Track, we are welcoming Executive Director of the Community of European Railways and Infrastructure Companies, Alberto Mazzola. Alberto, uh, welcome. Welcome to this podcast on the European Year of Rail. Um, this is a very special year uh, because of COVID. Um, what do you think uh, is the influence of, of COVID in this um, very special uh, year, European Year of Rail? Uh, thank you, Juan. Thank you also for inviting CR uh, to talk to the Florence Institute of Regulation. Uh, this is a special year for railways. It's the European Year of Railways, and uh, it doesn't come alone. It is the fruit or the follow-up of the proposal of the Commission, von der Leyen Commission, the current Commission, to work and to put as a priority the Green Deal. And after the Green Deal in transport came the European Euro Rail, which is, I would say, a follow-up in terms of smart and sustainable mobility. Unfortunately, uh, last year we had the, the starting of the COVID pandemic, and which is impacting very heavily also on railways. And uh, as CR, we are every month uh, assessing the situation with our members. I can tell you that last year, uh, European railways lost essentially in commercial traffic, passenger traffic, about 25 billion euros. Rail freight lost about 2 billion euros. And in terms of passenger services, this means about 42% less in terms of revenues than the previous year. What does it mean for the European Euro rail? Uh, and I'm getting back to the Green Deal. I think we need to find also ways to support railways as we are supporting aviation, at least as much as aviation. But I would say, if we want to pursue the Green Deal and the European Euro Rail, we need to support more railways than aviation during this year in order to be able, at the end of the pandemic, to proceed with the Green Deal. And this what, is an what kind of policies, Alberto, what kind of policies do you think are necessary to support uh, railways? I think uh, in short term on this point on COVID, I think uh, the, the current policies that we have in the temporary framework for state aid are not really tailored to, to, to railways and are not considering at all the Green Deal. So they will need to be adapted uh, in order to consider that. This is for this year. And then say looking uh, more long term, I think we need to to start year by year to achieve what the zero carbon emission uh, target by 2050 will uh, we need to, to be achieved what we need to do 
In particular, I think it's important point to, to be clear here, and this is the European Euro RAID, RAID is already ready to achieve it. For 80% of the trains are running on electricity today. And of course, we need uh, most of them in some countries, for instance, in Netherlands, are already all green electricity. So no CO2 content into the, what we get from the grid. And in many countries, we are working on this direction. Uh, we have 20% of our trains which are diesel, but they are already started in some regions like in Lower Saxony to move on hydrogen. And let me say we will be ready well before 2050 to be zero carbon emission. So this is one point, uh, what we need to, in ourselves to improve our situation. Uh, I think maybe we'll discuss more in detail later on, but uh, all the investments in infrastructure, level playing field, and SAN, I would say, in my opinion, minor reforms concerning railways. We had already four railway packages. We don't need the fifth one um, because we are still not applying fully the fourth railway package. So these are points that maybe I will develop uh, but level playing field with other modes of transport because rail, railways are not operating out of the contest. Infrastructure investment because railways are capital intensive and very long-term uh, objectives in terms of investment and uh, some minor aspects, uh, I would say, at this moment concerning railways after the forever package. And let me, I mean, these are mostly on the more traditional, I would say, supply side policies. But what about demand? I mean, I, do you think the European year of rail could be an opportunity to influence uh, passenger behavior, for instance, or, or shippers' uh, approach um, to transportation? I think, uh, yes, it's an important point because uh, it's an important point what you're raising. Let me say at least two or three reflections here. After the crisis, most likely business trips will be different. There will be more uh, Zoom conferences and I would say less business trips. Uh, and so this will influence also railways, definitely. But uh, the European rail at the end, we should also, tourism will most likely resume to the same level and will increase also in the next years. And we expect that sustainability, sustainable tourism will be part of this European Euro rail. Of course, COVID doesn't allow us to promote as much as we wanted, but this was one of the topics that we would like to promote in the European Euro rail. Another one which is important is the young people. Uh, interrail is, I would say, today could be part of EU identity. And we very much support as railways the proposal of the Parliament to launch an interrail, let's call it a word, uh, to any European citizens when they get 18 years old. We would like this to be seen as part of European identity and to be seen this also in this sustainable mobility. So, Sustainable tourism, young people, interrail, and also in this European Euro rail uh, would have been important. It is still important also to support the cultural aspects. In particular, we are discussing with Europalian Brussels on track and trains exhibition, but we will work also ourselves as an association to promote these events, cultural events, uh, in relation with uh, the different sectors of society 
architecture, industry, tourism, uh, film, filmmaking, and so on. What is the relation with railways? This is a way also to promote our relation with the I would say, civil society, let me call it. Yeah, because uh, at the end of the day, um, I mean, we have really very ambitious um, objectives in the Green Deal for transportation, for railways. Um, but in order to, to reach those objectives, really uh, very important changes in, are necessary because the objectives are very ambitious. Uh, if, if we focus on, on passengers, uh, do you think that uh, enough effort is being made to ensure that the objectives in the Green Deal um, are met? It's an important question. The objective is the target that the Commission presented into the Smart and Sustainable Mobility Strategy uh, for the next, uh, I would say, 30 years are very ambitious. In particular, in, in terms of passengers, the Commission would like to see an increase of 100% of high-speed passengers by 2030 and 200% increase by 2050. This means an increase every year of 6%. Uh, if you consider that only China so far has grown at this pace for such a number of years, you must realize that uh, I don't know if we need to apply the Chinese policy investment for railways or not, but certainly we need to reflect how to get there, which is impressive. What this traffic will come from, in the, will come from short distance aviation, should come, and should come also from sustainable tourism. Uh, here, I think we need uh, to, to look long-term, medium-term, and short-term, what we can do on all of these aspects. Because uh, as I said, railways capital intensive, long-term investment. I will start maybe, if I may, on the long-term and getting to short-term. Sure, please. <laughs> uh, so on long-term, the idea we developed is uh, particularly this is regarding infrastructure, we would like to see an infrastructure where all capitals and major cities of Europe will be connected by an high-speed line. What do we mean? After 2030, when the current trans-European network policy is achieved, and so the major projects uh, across the Pyrenees, across the Alps, the Ferman Belt, these big projects are completed, I think we should be able to start and to work already from now thinking about this, being able to have such a network at European level. I will, I will repeat capitals and major cities. These major cities is important because there are many cities in Europe that are bigger than some capitals. This will be a way that we connect all Europe. Uh, I think will be an important message and will help us to achieve this increase that is expected. Uh, on medium term, we need to reflect about the barriers that we still have in Europe. The four railway package is helping on this, but we need to have materials and rules or operation that will allow us to uh, go across the country, a country is much more easier. On, sh on short term, I think we have uh, the point of customer experience. Uh, so we need to work uh, in particular, uh, what we have now, when we talk about digital railways, we are reflecting how to improve reservation, ticketing, uh, how to get easier uh, the person to get in contact with the railways and being able to book his trip, her trip, being able to travel on that. All this at the end should be 
medium, long-term and uh, short-term, increase the customer experience. So what does it mean? Reducing the duration of the trip to be comparable and competitive with aviation for long distance. Increase the quality of service, so punctuality, cleanliness, but also 5G, uh, possibility to work on the train, to be connected all the time, and to have also competitive pricing. Uh, this is for the railways, but uh, we need to look also outside. Huh? So looking also at aviation and the road transport, because we are competing with them and how we can compete with them. Uh, just talking about competition, uh, uh, what do you think is the role of, of competition? In, in, in December, the full liberalization of the passenger national passenger services was launched. Uh, what, what do you think will be the role of, of competition? Do you think it, it will help? to reach these ambitious green uh, deal objectives? I think competition is helpful. Uh, it's not the solution everywhere, at least in railways. We need also, in particular, local services to consider public service contract. But competition and open access, for instance, it's an important point to, I would say, stimulate uh, railways to increase their performances, uh, provide new services, new frequencies, uh, and essentially be better uh, day after day. So as CER, we are very much supportive about the proposal of the four railway package in that sense, but also I would say, considering the possibility for local transport and some particular niche market to consider long distance also uh, public service obligation. Uh, unfortunately, let me say COVID didn't allow to realize this really opening of the market. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So services being delayed. Let's look at Spain, which is a particular yep. case. Spain was planning to have uh, three competitors on the high speed, for instance, between Barcelona and Madrid, but also other cities. But no one of them, only the incumbent is there, no one of them are, uh, has been able to arrive in Spain because uh, COVID didn't COVID, allow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is true also in other countries. So the same difficulties was true in France, was true in many countries of Europe. And so we will see the result, hopefully this year, if COVID uh, allows us to proceed in this, uh, this way. But, but I would say, I wanted to say, it's positive into improving uh, the day-to-day -day situation and also each company thinking about what they can do better than their competitors. Another um, policy that, that is getting very popular is in, in many European countries, this idea of uh, launching more night services. Um, what, what do you think about these night services? Uh, do you think, uh, uh, do you take them as an experiment? Uh, do you think it's, it's something, that, a solid policy that is here to stay? What, what is your opinion? Night trains were part of Europe 20 years ago, 25 years ago, they were much more common until uh, the launch on the low-cost airlines, until the realization of aviation and the starting of low-cost airlines that uh, went to direct competition with these services. Now there is, uh, thanks to the, I'll say, also to the, I would say, sustainability movement or the conscience of the people uh, people would like to travel more by train. That we are seeing more passengers willing to travel by train. Night trains are a niche market where they're more costly than the other services. 
And this is, for instance, a point where competition, I would say, is more difficult, very difficult. But we will need support, probably also in some cases, if you want to have a network effect, to have some support with public service contract. So we should be open there. But there is demand. And I think if there is demand, we should be able to fulfill it. And I, I want to close this conversation without a reference to um, freight transportation. I mean, this is also kind of a personal interest for me. I think if, if talking about the Green Deal objectives, um, if, if, if they are challenging in one specific segment, it's, it's all freight. The model share has stagnated for years. It's, it's really low when we compare it with, with the United States, for instance, of course, the circumstances geographical I and mean, all types are different. Uh, but I think that's the big challenge uh, we are facing. I mean, what do you think we have to do new, really, to get the model share uh, growing? Uh, freight is, uh, as you're right, uh, the reform of freight and liberalization of freight is much, uh, happened much uh, long time ago. Long time ago, between uh, 2007, freight has been liberalized in Europe. So we have now competition everywhere in freight, comp freight companies, but market share did not increase. It is higher than passenger in, in land transport, but it's still, uh, I would say, not at the level that uh, we should look at. Certainly not comparable to US. Let me say there are several issues here, but uh, I will not to go so sharing the infrastructure between passenger and, uh, and freight. Uh, is something that I would say the infrastructure is, is um, constructed thinking about the passenger services, safety, uh, speed, uh, quality of services. If you look at the infrastructure in the US, which is dedicated to freight, it's much lower quality, speed is much lower, many things are much lower, but you have higher loading gauge, uh, loading uh, capacity. And so the infrastructure in the US is more freight oriented than what we have here in Europe. What do I mean with this? Probably we need to think about infrastructure charging. So what we ask freight, freight, freight to pay today is to pay for a very high level infrastructure, but they will not really need this kind in, in these terms. So this is probably a reflection to be made. So how much they pay as infrastructure charges and what they should pay. This is important because we are competing with road. And in many cases, we have trains, electric trains that are paying infrastructure charges. And now we are reflecting to have zero emission trucks not to pay anything. This is, I would say, electric trains in this case should not pay anything because it's like electric trucks. So in this level playing field, I think we need to do a lot. We didn't do much. Uh, we are still discussing the, 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 how much to make uh, trucks to pay on highways, the so-called Eurovignette Directive. It's 20 years, 30 years that we are reviewing it with not major changing. The other point is the cost of CO2, other external costs, congestion and so on. Cost of CO2 today is very low. And so the efficiency that we have in rail freight is not really appraised. I think uh, if we want to go to zero emission uh, mobility by 2050, this should change. And that this should change for the road, for rail, for the aviation also. Getting also to the internal 
think that uh, in certain, inside railways, what we will need also in, uh, in freight is to become more digital. So the infrastructure today is not digital enough. Uh, European Rail Traffic Management System, which is an acronym ERTMS, has been on the pipeline for 20 years, but we will need, I say, to speed up the realization at least 10 times compared to what we did uh, in the last years. For this, we need resources. When I was saying also long-term, these are investments that are requiring resources. And let me say one thing that uh, is not really related to freight, but is related to railways also an investment in infrastructure and the COVID, if I may. Sure, please. Uh, as I said, we are capital intensive. We need to look also long-term. So not just to think what we do in the next six months, but the infrastructure we will need in 10 years, in 15 years, in the next five years. This is long-term investment that in this moment also crisis that we have for COVID and the need to relaunch the economy, I think will be good that all the recovery plan that Europe is discussing, cohesion funding, the new the investment of the state should consider railways and the Green Deal. As I say personally, if you don't invest, you don't have growth. If you don't have growth, you don't have jobs. If you don't have jobs, you have no future. The campaign of CR on the European Euro Rail will be future equal rail. So we will need to invest in railways, and this investment will be good for the Green Deal for the future of Europe. I think it's an important point, reconnecting the two things. But in this moment that the government has to decide what to how to invest the 600 billion euros in the recovery plan, I think railways should be in the focus and in each country, I think, uh, should be considered. This will change the quality of the railway service in the next five years, 10 years, but will bring jobs also in these years that we are needed. Uh, Mr. Matsula, I think this is uh, an important call uh, with which we can close this uh, this conversation. I would say this is called uh, I mean, this is the European year of rail. This the year COVID has hit the economies, and and and, and I think that yeah, that, that that resumes the important call of what would be the main uh, policy objective for um, this European year of rail. Um, thank you very much. Uh, we covered lots of topics. Uh, I think it was a good conversation. So again, Mr. Matsula, thank you very much. Thank you, Professor Montero, for inviting us to, to the Florence School. This was On the Right Track. Stay tuned for the next episode.